0: I won't have a white Christmas, I'm going to Egypt, so probably uh, it will be a bit uh, warmer, which I'm excited about.
1: A sandy Christmas.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> nice. I will have a fat and freezy one, I uh, will gladly swap it with Maya, because I'm going back home to Northern Italy, so okay. I, basically I'm going to have to spend lots of money in buying my entire wardrobe by the time I come back, because 10 days is of too much food.
1: Excellent. Maybe let's maybe move your mic up just a little bit. Uh, It was a little hard to hear you there. Yeah, much better. I mean, it's one thing to hear about your holiday plans. It's another thing to actually hear them. So it's good. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about problems. We've got problems from tech to people, right? It covers all spans. Uh, So I'm excited to to nail down the definition of problems and then continue to see uh, what definitions we use to help get those identified. Well, I'm here in sunny California, and uh, it's it's been, I don't think I've ever seen snow on on winter or during the holiday, but we make up for it with Christmas lights. So, no matter where you are, uh, hopefully there's some sort of snow or replacement Christmas light or something because it is the holiday type of season. And speaking of which, we are here live uh, on the Scale Up Academy podcast. Uh, it's called Startup, or I'm sorry, it's called Scale Up Heroes. And this is our 40th episode. This is the, last of the year, and I'm excited because we're going to be attacking one of the biggest problems that we have, and that is facing problems. Uh, The reality is that we all have problems, big and small, and they tend to work themselves into the workplace because I argue that nobody cares what you do. As a business owner, as an employee, as a person, nobody cares what you do. Instead, they care about the problem that you solve. And so, I'm fascinated with the concept of defining what the right problem is and then getting into how you would actually approach it. And then you have execution, which is a whole nother conversation. So today, Max is gonna lead us through a conversation here around what is the process to define the problems? How do we go about trying to formulate a solution? And what does that whole decision-making process look like? Because when you're past the startup and you're into the scale-up world, you will be facing different problems, problems of scale, problems of growth. So today we're gonna focus on those problems when it comes to product. Now, myself, I'm Ryan Fullen. I'm a global keynote speaker talking about how business leaders can use the problems that they solve to create differentiation. And on this podcast, we bring in experts, people that are wearing capes, whether you can see them or not, because they've been there and done that. If you want to catch other ones, you can go to scaleupacademy.io. And at this point, Max, I'm going to wrap up a problem into a present. I'm going to send it to virtually so you can help us unpack this problem definition and solving process, so we can execute a bit better. Take it away.
3: Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ryan. I think what's worth doing is, you know, giving a brief intro of myself and the panelists, and then and then we'll dive straight in. So my names my name is Max Eskeli. I'm the head of products for for Moniz, uh, a fintech based in London, but you know, we have customers all over Europe, and hopefully soon soon the world. Um, and what I'll do is I'll now introduce our other speakers and, and ask them to sort of introduce themselves. So Maya, would you like to say you know, a brief introduction about yourself?
0: Sure. So I'm Maya. Uh, I'm currently the VP of product at Aircall. I discovered product um, in a SaaS San Francisco-based startup that's called I Feel Goods. Then I moved uh, to BlaBlaCar, which is a French uh, care-sharing uh, company. And I joined Aircall a bit more than two years ago um, and basically built the product team here uh, from zero to 15. So a couple words about Aircall. Uh, so basically we're building a cloud-based phone system. Um, in terms of scaling, well, we raised a 30 million Series B earlier this year, and we're currently around 150 employees.
3: Fantastic. Thanks, Maya. Sinzen? Uh,
0: Hello, I'm
2: Xinxin. Uh, I work for Cognizm, uh, which is uh, um, leader generation and uh, refresher data and outbound for a marketing and sales team. So, again, it's a SaaS in B2B. Um, I've only been here for four months. i uh, been in task and I've been hired to actually set up another function. And before, I, I was for nine years at Brobean Technology, uh, which is a global leader of a multi multi-searching technology for the recruitment industry, where I was the first product manager and ended up leading a team of seven people looking after all the different work streams globally.
3: Perfect. Um, Bartek, can you say uh, a few things about yourself?
4: Hi, yeah, I'm Bartek Panowski and I am VP of product at Global. Uh, Global, we're a Barcelona-based company which builds an app for users to order um, products from any store uh, in their city um, and get it delivered to them on demand. Um, We're three years old. Um, I joined fairly early on um, in the the company. Um, We're live in over 20 countries across Europe, Latin America, and Africa. And I've scaled, so I've been in charge of products scaling it from when we were doing 200 orders a day to now over 100,000 um, orders a day. Um, and so our tech team, which includes product and design, is about 60 uh, people. And we have very aggressive growth plans over the next 12 months to probably triple or quadruple the, the team size.
3: Amazing. Uh, I think you know, it's, it's great to hear some panelists that are, that are you know, going through very very similar problems that I'm facing. I'm- you know, really looking forward to, to hearing some answers and some different opinions and definitely learning something. Um, you know, as, as, as Ryan said, you know, solving problems is, is what we do. That's why customers buy our products and that's why customers customers use us. So, you know, one of the things that we need to do as product people is, as a business and also to help our teams, is, is making sure that we solve the right problems. Um, so what I'd really love to hear from the panelists is, you know, to start with, let's let's keep it at the business level. Is how is sort of as the product leader in your organization, how do you make sure that you as a business are solving the right problems? Maya, can we can we jump to you to start with?
0: Sure. Uh, well, I think we could talk about this for hours because this is basically you know the core of our jobs. Um, I just you know want to pick two things that I found specifically useful and meaningful in the team. Um, The first one is that I really strived to make it a process to clarify this problem that we want to solve. Um, So about two years ago, I discovered uh, the intermission document by Intercom. I don't know if you know it, uh, but basically I found it super interesting and I stole it and adapted it for Aircall. So this is typically a document that each of the PM has to uh, come up with for every project we're working on. And it has to, in one page, uh, recap um, what's the problem, why it's important to solve it, um, for whom do we want to solve it, what's the criteria for success, and... Uh, what's out of scope for this project, and so I personally spend a lot of my time challenging the PMs uh, to the maximum on that document. If the definition of success is not clear, they need to go back and work on it. If, uh, again, the why we want to solve it is not clear, probably means they're an issue. And so this has been uh, tremendously helpful to help us as a product team focusing on the right problem. And then the second thing is making sure that everyone, uh, every team knows what their North Star metric is. So we've got about uh, 10 uh, teams today. Uh, So tech teams, so like five developers, one PM, one product designer. And all of those uh, is focused towards one of our three macro product objectives for the year. So typically we have one towards expansion, one towards satisfaction, one towards integrating with other services. And so, well, it's pretty standard, um, not rocket science here, but this really is driving the decision-making process towards all steps of the way. So for the roadmap, for the trade-offs, for the feature scope, for the follow-up after that. And so the role of the executive level, myself and the rest of the leadership team is, really to um, align on the percentage of resources we want to allocate to each of those three objectives. So typically we did that December last year and we refined it this year twice, according to you know, business context uh, before the fundraising, after the fundraising, typically that was one big criteria as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, having those North Star metrics, agreeing on the, uh, the, the, the percentage of bandwidth and then communicating that clearly to the teams.
3: Fantastic, I think you know in terms of you know stealing and adapting that's what what all good product leaders do you know they you know, the, most of the problems we face faced have been solved by somebody else, so you know, yeah let's use the eighty percent solution that somebody else has built. I love that and yeah you know, your, your kickoff I think you know you've got the you know some 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 organizations are famous for how they start um how they start projects you've got the amazon six pager you know we we use something. Yeah, we use a meter you know it's a, it's a product kickoff so the teams present to the whole organization and say look you know this is this is what we're going to build and why answering you know I think some of the similar questions to you in terms of definition success um, and the North Star metric you know I think that's super key as well and um, Cinza, I'd love to hear I'd love to hear how you, how, how your team does it so um, on my perspective so
2: what I've experienced is that normally um the problem facing it can be faceted in different ways so there are situations where um you have a list of things that have been um, assessed as be being problems so you have to find solutions for those so there it comes to how you prioritize them and uh, um, i think i'm going to get back to that in a second and there are other situations where um, you have different problems that comes in, so it's not a defined list and you're not sure even if there is a problem in the list that you have to assess. And I normally divide this into two categories. Um, I divide them into inward and outward. So the inward is what I would define, this problems that, that somehow comes from outside of the organization into the organization. Whether it's from clients related to product or from clients via sales and customer success. Um, and outwards is what comes from within the organizations. So, typically speaking, uh, goes totally the opposite way. So, it goes from tech uh, into product. And then, product has the, the role of um, interpreting, translating those problems into the wider organization so that they take taken into into account. Um, one of, in terms of prioritization, one of the main experience that I've had is having, after having rebuilt, um, this was actually not iconism, but it was improving technology, after having rebuilt um, entirely a new version of a product from a legacy system into modern application, uh, having finally the time in your roadmap uh, to address all the fun features, all the extra requests that is well beyond MVP. Um, and having a defined list of those. uh, but obviously um, you never have the time to do all of them. Um, So what I've done is I've done a game storming session uh, where we prepped uh, cards with all the descriptions and we invite front exponents from different departments in the business In tech, we set ahead of time, and we defined with T-shirt sizes um, how much each one of those were in terms of development effort. But what we asked the audience was to define the business impact without telling them the development effort. And we ended up uh, mapping them on some axis and then calculating precisely the weight of each one of them, meaning that the one with the highest points was also the one that will be built first because you had highest business impact but low development effort and, and that's a very cool exercise it's also quite insightful because often what you find is that the people themselves that have asked for certain features might end up deciding to drop them in face of all the other features so it stimulates the type of discussion um, within the business in those terms if anyone is ever interested in exercising of this kind there is a, a fabulous book that it has helped me through yes um, game storming. I mean, you can find it on uh, on amazon i'm not one of the author i promise but i just found that that it was has always been very useful and um, one last thing that i would like to touch on die um is this is when you will receive problems i'm actually a big advocate of not waiting into these problems but actually going out and seeking problems before clients give them to you and if you look at those like one of the most uh, obvious ways is yes analytics and monitoring uh, but one of my most favorite uh, techniques are going to floor walks so where you can observe the you users, and also utilize, utilizing other tools, whether it's uh, um, uh, tools like a uh, food stories that are, allow you access to sessions to see the videos. And one of my favorite most successful tools, uh, or that I found the most successful, has been implementation of user voice on the product prof platform, which gave visibility to over 17,000. By the time I left my previous company, 17,000 users submitting their feedback, commenting, voting on each other's ideas, commenting on each other's idea, um, which can turn into uh, a pretty, uh, pretty funny um, exercise to go through. Actually,
3: no, it's, I think, I, I, think that's, I think that's very insightful. I think you know, products is is either an enviable or an unenviable position in a company because you know, you're commonly the vehicle through which you know the business generates money or interacts with customers. So lots of people, as you quite pointed out, internal and external, you know, see you, you know, what want want you to do things. And you know, I agree it comes down to prioritization, which sort of ties back into Maya's point in terms of being able to sort of coordinate that with some North Star metrics. And that's more, you know, as I see it around, you know, setting the strategic context, but then you know Meyer also mentioned, you know, the, the kickoff, kick off, you know, the documents, which sort of is a little bit of a gate there, just to make sure the teams don't don't start work until until you know the, the benefit is is clear. Um, yeah, I think you know the the gainstorming thing. I think that's that's super interesting. I think how do you try and balance what you see as important as a sort of a head of product or a VP of products because, you know, you've got your own interests and ideas and so is the CEO, which is obviously, you know, you're the right hand person to to sort of execute that versus allowing the teams to do stuff that they're interested in and what they see as, uh, you know, they see they want to do or they see where they want to steer the product. So I think that's a really interesting way of trying to sort of do both top down and and bottom up. I think, uh, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Bartek, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear your thoughts
4: yeah I think there's lots of really good things said, so I'm not going to repeat all all of that um, stuff uh, th- there is there's one you know one area that as you know as I moved away from being a product manager myself and to managing other product managers, I think there's there's one um, you know at this point in a company, you you know you found you found your market fit, you found your traction, you set up your high level KPIs for your company, hopefully you've broken up into product teams and you have all that set up. So you've already kind of created the structure. Uh, hopefully in the environment to, to make sure that you're more or less working on the right problem. You're not just going off, um, off the rails and doing something completely out of the ordinary. So the, the question at this stage in the company is not, are you completely working on the wrong thing, but um, given a, a, a for sure a very long list of opportunities, are you, are you choosing the one that's gonna have the highest return on investment, right? That's, that's, that's the question, is it the right, right problem that you're working on or not? Um, and so I think one of the, you know, when, when you're leading a team of product managers, I think one of the, one of the kind of um, pitfalls, not pitfalls, but one of the areas that product managers can not choose the right one is, um, so they have, you know, their teams are defined, they have their mission statements, so on and so forth. And they fall into the trap of just trying to optimize um, specific features and just to small incremental, you know, we, we're all into this agile mentality and just, you know, try to do incremental improvements in, in KPI, um, in KPIs. Um, and they stopped thinking about, they don't challenge themselves and their teams to think of ideas that are really going to move the needle uh, forward. And as, as, a, as, a, as a product, uh, as a head of product, Uh, You have to be very, you know, I I really spend a lot of time watching out to make sure that that teams, product teams don't fall into that trap of just doing small little iterations, small little improvements where realistically it doesn't really matter if if they get it right, if they get it wrong, if they don't move it, it's going to move the business by half a percent. Um, And especially when you're scaling up a company, I think it's, it's really important not to uh, settle in too early into a mode where you're not thinking about features that are really going to move the needle. Um, and so that's, that's my challenge. Usually the product managers, every time they're presenting to me a new quarterly plan or a new project or a new requirements document they're working on is, is this really going to make a, a, a big impact on the business? You know, is it going to move it 10, 20, 30, 40, hundred percent forward, your core KPIs, or um, are you just doing some, some little minor iterations all the time and not really moving things forward?
3: Thanks. I think you I think again, again, some great insights there. And I think you know something you know that I know Google does. You know, looking at sort of 60% of stuff is is sort of optimization. You know, 30% of stuff is you know what's the next features that are coming, and the 10% is the you know the 10x stuff and the high often 10x. And I think you know thinking about products, pretty thinking about a product as you know a portfolio of features and trying to you know have stuff that's you know higher risk but higher payoff. And then incremental and trying to work out where their balance is and within a product it's quite difficult across a number of products you know it's just another again order of magnitude harder which which you know which i know i'm struggling with at the moment how do we make sure that um we've got enough stuff to keep the lights on and keep you know keep on improving and growing and matching our competitors or being better than our competitors versus you know what's next what's the you know what's the what's the revolutionary thing that's coming i think it's you know incredibly interesting Very fascinating to hear that. I think so what I'd love to do now is move on to I think this is we've heard you know some great examples of of how to focus on the right problem. What I'd like to dive into now is how do you solve the problems? Is it you know one man by himself in a room you know coming out with the right answer or is it you know hugely you know Nordic types problem solving where it's hugely consensus based? I'd love to really hear about you know how the teams or, or how do you work with your product teams to really sort of once you found this problem, yeah, how do you sort of come up with your a solution, or you know, is it a solution, or is it a series of solutions? Yeah, super excited to hear. So, should should we work back the other way? Should we go to go to you, Bartek, first?
4: Sure, sounds good. Um, i again, I'm going to try to try to look for to, to share some insights, which are not the most obvious ones. So, uh, again, it depends what the problem you're trying to solve. Some are, you know, they fairly simple. You can do brainstorming. I'm not going to go through through all through all the other ones. Um. I want to talk about one type of problem, which I think a lot of times is product people will say it's it's one of the hardest problems that they come across, um, and and the, and and these are product decisions where um where there's a trade-off between uh, core KPIs of the business. Um, I think these are the ones that the product people uh, to that they that they. Uh, struggle with the most because obviously if you have a a solution to some problem which you know only has you know uh you know it's it's only flowers and and it's it's gonna it's gonna increase the the kpi with no negative impacts anywhere it's well maybe you have to balance that up against another really good decision uh but but the areas where where it's it's quite difficult is when uh, to solve one problem, it may have a negative impact uh, somewhere else on the business. You know, we operate a three-sided marketplace, and quite often, you know, you make you make one change in one place, and and it may have a negative impact on the other one. Um, so, to give you a really a really good example, you know, from, from our business, for example, um, you know. Uh, so so there's a, in a lot of businesses a fundament, fundamental trade-off between growth and for example unit economics right so one bit on one hand you want to make your business profitable on the other hand you want to grow as much as possible sometimes you can find things to do it's just going to be full-on growth and they don't impact the unit you know, economics and, and vice versa and those are ideal uh, but once in a while you you end up in situations where you have to make a trade-off uh between between the two and uh, i'll give you an example in global for example when when it's, when it's raining, people make more orders um, and to, to make sure we have enough couriers to do the fleet, we, we pay them a bonus. Um, and so what happens is our unit economics uh, takes a big hit because we're paying more and we're collecting the same amount essentially from users. Um, and so one of the, you know, we tried lots of things, but at the end of the day, we said we need to charge users more. If we wanna, if we wanna, if we wanna get the unit, make the unit economics healthy when it's raining, we're gonna charge them for, for bad, bad weather surcharge. And then and well, that's the idea someone throws out there and then you're a product manager, you're in a very tough spot. So what, what do I do? Um, and uh, well, you can you can A, B test it and you can you can choose a small you know, you can do a small percentage of, um, you know, to spend a small percentage of users say, well, if I just raise it by one euro, it's what what's going to happen will affect growth and maybe you'll find that sweet spot Um but uh, but that's not probably enough because a lot of these types of um, a lot of these types of uh, trade-offs between uh, core business KPIs they actually change over time. So what what's acceptable and what's optimal today? For example, maybe right now you're really focused on optimizing for growth. Uh, maybe three months from now or six months from now, something completely changes, whether, you know, you're going to do a new, new investment around or something and the business fundamentals changes, the business plan, and all of a sudden, actually, know, the, the unit economics is a lot more important than the growth. Or even more uh, more difficult is you can be like a company like ours where we are in 20 different markets. And so for a given market, you know, we treat it as a mature one where we're focusing more on profitability, another one more on growth. And, and some of these, and, and the way I've, I deal with these from a product perspective. And again, you, you try not to do this often, but in these types of situations where there is a real uh, trade-off between two KPIs, you, you build the product in such a way where you don't have to take that decision, where essentially you enable the business, uh, you give the business the levers to be able to adjust um, and implement. So you, know, you build out like a, for example, a, uh, in, our, in the case I gave, uh, a customer um, bad weather uh, delivery fee and then you allow each, for example, country manager, uh, the option to either enable it in their, their country or not, and to set what is the actual fee themselves, right? So, so, in, and if six months from now, they say, you know, they want to increase the profitability or take care of that case more, uh, you give them the tools, you empower the business with those tools to to make that straight up. Uh, so you don't have to do them on a product level. That was just one case.
3: I think, I think there's, I think that's really interesting. um, We've, you know, we've been down a number of routes here. We've got a North Star metric. We've gone through OKRs and your point about, you know, the really tough decisions where, where, you know, it's, it's a trade-off. You know, we've, we've now come to the point where we say, you know, OKRs are tools and not rules. You know, this is a tool to guide decision-making, not a rule for, you know, abstract, you know, complete control. So, you know, we've had we've made that, you know, we made the mistake as well. And so uh, we want, you know, people, can use these as inspiration for making the right decisions in the interest of the customer and the entire business, rather than just purely sort of optimizing for OKRs. Okay so I think, no, I think, yeah, I think that's really, I think I've been there and I think I've experienced that as well. Sinza, um, I'm really interested to hear how you guys go about, you know, solving these problems.
2: Well, I think uh, that first and foremost, it is uh, normally a team effort and it is uh, a cross-functional effort as most of us have pointed out also in the previous question um in terms of uh, the process that i go about uh, when uh, solving problems is uh, first and foremost uh, taking a whole helicopter view so abstract from a number of feedback and see if effectively could you solve more than one problem Um, And it's happened to me in the past uh, where, um, once again, like looking through lots and lots of feedback, I think it was about 300 different entries that they were sent and they were all about different features, most of all the different functionalities, but reading through all of them, what became clear is that what the customers need, which is Pretty much not what they normally tell you uh, that they want, but what the customer needed was a a more efficient way to go about to a specific activity that was at the core of one of the products that I I managed in the past. And rebuilding the part of the product brought as a benefit, addressing all 300 uh, of the the problems that were put forward. so i think that that is that is very important so a product manager most of all a product leader can never focus on the single one beta that is put forward to you and most of all cannot just focus on what the problem is now and we're going to solve it for now sometimes you need to make that trade-off in uh, other cases you need to think about okay the, the future and the expansion which is particularly important in a scale-up environment right um, secondly, I normally uh, always have a three-way a continuous approach. Let's call it like the feedback loop, but it's, it's more like the feedback loop that goes around from within the organization towards the outside of the organizations. And the feedback loop goes tech, business, clients. We're product manager in the center. And so if the product manager here, lots of different problems, and you start to visualise the solutions, start checking that that solution is pretty much what um, will, will actually solve the problems. But before going and fully scoping it and communicating it to the business, always start with tech. Uh, the developers I think they are at the very core, uh, because you want to see if it's desirable, is it feasible, uh, technically speaking, to do certain type of things, do they have maybe a better solution can they adjust the new technologies through which you could actually solve that problem uh, much better. And then you continue in each iteration and so basically going in this circle so you speak to tech and then you propose to the business and then you also check with customers you check with customers from you know uh wireframe stages and and back and forth and then from mockups, and then through build and scoping um so that, that that's pretty much the the wider approach that i, I normally take
3: okay so, so that, yeah i think yes yeah, especially with agile we- Learned recently about you know, software development, or, or you know, how sort of leading edge companies do software. It is, it is highly iterative. I think you know, you know, I completely agree with you know, coming up with a hypothesis, testing it, and then if it's successful, then you know doubling down and reinforcing it. But one of the things that I'm trying, that I'm, that we're trying to work through at the moment, is how do you make those really big strategic decisions? And I describe a strategic decision as one that can't be undone once you've done it, or is very difficult to undo. You can't sort of pilot it and test it. Um, and you know if you get it wrong could sink the company um we we, we're facing a number of those you know do we launch in you know watch which big continent do we launch in next you know that's a yeah, yeah that could sink the company if we get it wrong we can't really test it that well or that easily um and so you know what i'm trying to work out now is you know this is a you know we know what the problem is you know do we expand x or y yeah how do we think this problem through and come to a solution or a decision um and you know, I'd love to be able to iterate, it, yeah, you know, to iterate or run a pilot. But at the moment, yeah, you know, this this decision and some other decisions where we really have to go, okay, the imp, it's quite ambiguous, uh, very ambiguous. But we need to place a really big bet. Um, so I'm, we're trying to work this out now. Is yeah, how do we go about solving these really big problems? The research analysis will help up to a point. You get to a point where you just got to make a decision. And uh, yeah, I'd be really interested, you know, maybe coming back to the panel in terms of. Know, Maya, I'm sure I'm sure you've faced some problems with like this. I'd love to I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of yeah those very high level business critical topics, uh, it's very complicated and got even more complicated as we grew as a business and as we went up market. You know, our clients were larger, which meant bigger consequences. Um, and so for those specifically, well, basically we did um, sort of a design sprint focused on those big topics. Um, so basically we invited high level stakeholders within the company, um, VP levels that were really affected by this decision to stay with us for half a day. And we use that time to really explain the big trade-offs and decisions we had to make. Um, and so of course we don't do that for all of the features we're working on, but you know, maybe this year there were like two or three of them. Uh, so this is not something we do every week but it was very useful for those big, large topics. And after that, uh, the team goes on and builds an MVP. The goal for this half a day is really to validate the big trade-offs. And we found that this actually uh, requires a lot of preparation from the team uh, in terms of you know, benchmark data, user research, in order for that half day to be um, super effective. But then in general, I think I agree with Cynthia that you know it's a team effort. So everyone needs to be involved, uh, business team, tech teams, that's super interesting. But I think if you're coming back to the basics, um, you know, again, you should involve your users. Um So this is kind of product one-on-one, one-on-one, but it's not that easy in B2B um, because you have less users, because they get more frustrated with you because they're at work, they're stressed, they don't have a lot of time for you. Um, So over the past years, we've had to come up with a bunch of creative ways to put our user central still in our product processes. So typically this stuff like automated triggers that warn us every time there's a customer visit planned by an account manager, so that someone from the product team can tag along. Uh, We also created like a small bot uh, giving us tasks every week in Slack, like you should do support, you should do a client visit. We follow the NPRs very closely. And really I found it more difficult in B2B than in B2C. One of the other things that was helpful was really to, again, involve the business teams as much as possible in that uh, solution crafting process. Um, There's so much info sitting there in a B2B company because you've got account managers, you've got sales reps, and we want to leverage that information as much as possible. Uh, So one of the things that we found um, helpful was to create a new role in those um, teams composed of, again, uh, five developers, one PM, one designer. We added one role that's called the in squad. So the business in squad. And this is typically a person from the sales teams uh, or uh, the customer success team. And they have to spend half a day every week with the squad, the, the tech and product squad. And their role is really to communicate the decisions that were made by the squad to the rest of the business teams but also to come with feedback and elaborate on that feedback about whatever the team is working on. Um, And the last thing I think in terms of mindset is um, transparency in order to get that proactive feedback from our internal teams. We're very lucky we have internal users actually at Ercole and internal power users even. And so here the best is to show what we're working on as early as we can. So of course we do demos but even earlier than that we try you know to print our designs and display them in the kitchen with like post-its and pens to have people give us feedback questions and this is really helpful. We also have our physical roadmap uh, that's uh, sorry uh, our roadmap that's displayed physically in the office so that people are on board. So yeah, in terms of mindset to be as effective as possible to solve those big problems, I'd say again, involve users, basic, but not that easy in B2B. Involve the teams internally, and then be super transparent about all the ways, uh, all the steps of the process.
3: There's, yeah, there was some really great stuff. In terms of, you know, we very much use prototypes to drive on the conversation. We, you know, we, we very rarely use prototypes to say, this is the finished article. We use prototypes to, to really drive the conversation and understanding and use them to communicate. You know, a prototype saves a thousand meetings. You know, that's what we really, really believe and having them physically up, you know, make, makes it really easier. And I, you know, I, lo- I love the fact that you're doing that as well. Um, I think you your point about having this sort of um, design sprint, you know, Getting the right people in the room and focusing on one problem is something that is just really powerful. That, you know, there is a tendency to do it for everything. So I completely agree, you have to be quite sparing when you use it, but getting the right data and setting the setting that team up to try and drive to an answer, being, clearing, being clear on what their answer is. You know, you know we've used that, again, you know, really effectively a few times the, you know, the tip is not to rely on that all the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that was, um, yeah, I think, you yeah, know, completely agree. Um, building up the customer empathy, I think that's that's really powerful. You know, we, we I try and move for myself and for the product leads is you know, when you can predict what the, the customer's going to say. You know, that's the point at which you know you've got the you, you can probably be the voice of the customer. Uh, up until that point, you probably need to do more research and, and testing. Um, but then also, how do you incorporate the voice of the customer into decision making? I think you know, putting people in customer service answering the phones for the day i think i think it's really powerful we've we've put people in the we sort of each of our team have a go-to person from customer service a go-to person for risk and compliance and they come along to use the testing they come along to the sort of team's rituals and they give the team feedback on you know what customers are phoning up and either over related with bad or, or frustrated about and you know that means the team you know, get that, that that good feedback on you know what customers care about i think you know, i think that's really really strong. And, you know, that's, you know, some of that stuff's really hard to put numbers on, you know, it probably wouldn't fit in an OKR, but, but being able to listen to customers and the team being able to make a decision, okay, let's just fix that. It's really easy to fix. It's not going to move an OKR, but it'll make the customers, you know, make this subset of customers really happy. Let's just do it. I think that's, you know, really, really powerful and something, you know, we've not got perfect, but we're getting there.
0: Actually, to circle back on that, I think it can be something that's a metric. Um, okay. We're not using OKRs per se, but we really have a big initiative to uh, have customer centricity at the core of our cultures mm-hmm. and value. Uh, sorry, culture and values uh, for the company. And so, typically, all the PMs in my team have an objective to see at least two clients a month, and this is like something they have to do; otherwise, they don't get their bonus. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I think you can make it, you know, concrete and an mm-hmm. objective.
3: Okay. No, that's good. That's great. I think so. What I'd love to do now is, is move on to move on to decision making. You know, you've focused on the right problem. You've you've come up with either one or a number of solutions. Um, yeah, how's the decision made? You know, we are, we do things a specific way here, but I'd love to hear I'd love to hear how the panelists you know how, how the panelists drive to that decision. Um, Sinza, I'd I'd love to hear I'd love to hear your your, your thoughts on, on how you do. it.
2: Well, i've already given some of the examples so during the first part of this one so some of the brainstorming exercise how you make it a decision on what you're going to build um, and uh, um, so with grids, uh, we prioritizing uh, we check checking with tech uh, and with uh, the whole of the feedback loop i think that um, when we were reading and we were discussing these questions before i decided that I, i'm what normally only um, it's not that much uh, how do you make the decision but you know is that uh, all good well going through this process which is at uh, the basis of everything but once the decision is made is actually how you um how you implement it how do you achieve it uh, because that's when you actually have to start working and uh, um It it got me thinking when, well, in preparation to this one, that once I was reading this article, and one, uh, and the author was talking about um, driving to a decision is very much like driving, like actually driving the car. Um, And they gave uh, some very good. Metaphors about it. So, where first of all, you look ahead. Uh, you can't only look at the item that is immediately in front of you because you want to see what else is down the road while mm. you're building. Is there going to be any obstacles? You want to be able to report uh, on uh, any risk that uh, might come along the way. Um, yours around you so is anything changing in the market in your customer base in the strategic environment uh, that is likely to impact what you're building so at strategy level and that can be for like fairly big features as well as for like entire uh, new product offering right in the same why you keep informing also people on what you're doing so if you change your mind that you have to steer on one side and more than the other one or maybe delay some stuff in um, to the benefits of other stuff and then you want to advise all your main stakeholders and that goes from tech it goes to customer success sales your clients
3: mm-hmm.
2: but um, just, just think, even-
3: there, so, so 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 who makes the decision
2: who makes The business makes the decisions, then it depends on what I think also what the decision is related. So the mm-hmm. business needs to agree on a decision, which is the reason why right at the beginning I said, well, there are a number of exercises um, that can help you um, in that process. So everybody agreeing on what's the most important things to build, how to build it is probably more in between a product and tech, so on. The product side and the designer mm-hmm. side, and technically speaking, the developers, so they help you with that.
3: So, so who's uh, the voice, of the business that makes the decision? In, in so, for example, you want to change the way an existing product works. Who, who's the voice? Who, who who makes the decision as to right? This is what
2: being the does. voice of the business and making the decisions uh, is two different things. I think.
3: Okay, so so who who makes the decision?
2: Well, ultimately, is yes, you get the signed off from your founder and from all the other head of departments. But if it's about product, I think product makes the decisions because product will have had to balance properly uh, all the different forces and all the different requirements according across all the other departments and so product, as in most of all product leaders are in, in that very, can we call it special? <laughs> it can be also quite dangerous spot mm-hmm. uh, where you have to be the scale for everything, but then mm-hmm. you need to, to get the signed off from every part of the business. Okay.
3: So, yeah, I, I completely... I don't think it's a single
2: person though. I mean, I've been in situations where maybe... Uh, uh, the managing director or the CEO, they come along, and they go like, okay, I'm making an executive decision now, I'm putting my foot down. Um, yeah. But maybe because we had the reach the point where really there was no uh, full on agreement that you could make across mm-hmm. the business. It's been in very few cases though, very few cases.
3: So, so uh, yeah, we, we're obviously a FinTech, so you know, we're, we're regulated in a slightly different way from lots of other people, so, so you know, we need to be quite clear um you know, for us we separated it into two counts which is strategic decisions and tactical decisions strategic decisions are made by the ceo and you know the leadership team helped make the decision but the the decision blessed the ceo the tactical decisions for products are made by the product leads and they're they're 100 accountable for those decisions uh, and that could be you know what feature to launch next what that feature looks like but um we you know through one of the things we've learned over time or i've definitely learned online is empowerment means power you know, lots of other places talk about empowerment and they don't give you every, any power to be empowered. So so the way we sort of squared that circle here is, you know, if a team, you know, a team, a product lead, and that's what we call them, product lead, they make all the decisions about the product. And yeah, they're accountable for the product. And, you know, lots of people, as you said, lots of people want them to make decisions and have input, you know, risk, compliance, customers, the CEO. Mm-hmm. But But there's got to be somebody who says, you know, I hear all of you. But I, you know, I'm making. I know the most about my customers because I have that customer empathy. I know the most about technology, marketing, and commercials, and and the business. You know, I know all about this for the, these subset of customers and for this product. So I'm accountable for this product, and I I make the final decisions. So yeah, I think it's quite interesting how it's done differently.
2: Yeah, um, I think that if, if if the product leader and their teams and they do their team, their their things right up to that point which is what all of us have just been speaking about um then it should not come to a surprise that there should not be a big business shock when the product manager does it so i've been in the situation um here at cognizant i've been here only for four months and once i started um I had lots of requests and lots of new features, and it was evident that we wanted to build a generation two of the product. What also became evident talking with tech is that the CTI um, thought, thought that it was very important also to rebuild some core part of the databases in order to support the growth thirty way. Um so when I found myself having to do a product strategy for initially six months and then for the year ahead that included a new version, but included also other offerings that we will be working on and some extensions of what we're going to do right after um, the input was taken from every head of departments, uh, employees as well as not only the head of department, you know, the more you diversify your audience and the better it is. Uh, lots of this stuff was checked also directly with some of the clients that wanted to be engaged. Uh, they wanted to know what's coming up on your roadmap. And then eventually before presenting it overall, the strategy is double checked and signed off by all of the head of departments. Um, and I think this is not only something that it goes on for product though. It will be the same for each uh, uh, department head. Uh, but uh, at least
3: uh, we yeah. are lucky because we are not financial. We are not in the regulatory yeah. space of finance. <laughs> but, yeah, but but for me, uh, uh, a lot, you know, putting the product leads in a place where they had to go and get sign off from lots of different people. You know, I, you know for me, you know, I don't think I could hire the quality, caliber of caliber people if I said, you know, you need to sort of get you know sign off from five, six people. You know, for us, it's the other way around. The product yeah. leads, to the final decision making. If you want to change their mind, then change their mind. Um, yeah, don't, you know, don't expect them to come off and get your permission, but it's a different way of doing things. Bartek, I'd be really interested to hear how, how, how you solve this.
4: Yeah. I mean, I just want to make one comment in all of this is that it's fundamental as a header product, the most important thing that you could ever do is build the most, the strongest possible product team. Because at the end of the day, we, we just made the analogy of driving a car, you know, if you can have, you know if you can have an if you have a, an amazing engineering team but you have a an average product team versus vice versa it's like you know having a ferrari and a fiat but the ferrari is driving the wrong direction so uh, so you know you, you you prefer to take the fiat that's driving in the right direction you get to the you'll get to your destination much faster much more efficiently
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, and so so this whole thing about empowering your 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 your, your product team and giving the full full autonomy and and making making them allow, allowing them to, to, to drive that decision forward to getting all the stakeholders on board and, and everything that product managers do uh, fundamentally the most important thing is to have like literally killer product managers um for me that's one of my biggest focus to make sure that we are hiring and and and, and building a very like a a, a star uh, product team it's Super important.
3: Yeah. yeah i think yeah one of the things that i identify very quickly is yeah that's exactly right it's sort of yeah, hire you know, get the right person in in the product lead position and it's a lot easier to solve lots of the other problems um, yeah yeah but i think that that's that's very true maya i'd love to hear i'd love to hear your thoughts
0: sure so we're actually right in the middle of this uh, so deciding who decides for what um, so again as the company grew we have today to Structure that and have a framework for that, um, and so we're just trying to build, uh, you know, a DASI framework. So the acronym DASI. Uh, so D is for driver, A is for approver, C is for contributor, and I is for informed. The goal is to map out, depending on the type of project, who is in which category. And so this will mostly be dependent on two factors, how business critical is uh, the project. So kind of like you were saying before, strategic or tactical. But then the second dimension is how easy is it to roll back and go back to the previous states. Um, So typically, uh, if we have a project to decide whether we want to have a, a desktop app, which is a new product for us, this is business critical and not easy to roll back. So the driver should always be the PM. But in this case, the approver will be an executive level. On another hand, if you want you have a project like you know adding a customization option in one of our integrations, then the PM will be both the driver and the approver. So right now we're in that process of mapping out those different types of you know projects. Hopefully we'll get to four or five categories max to have that cleared out.
3: No, I think, yeah. So I don't think we're that sophisticated yet. I think you know we just did the big thing, which is strategic. CEO, tactical, you know, product lead. I think you know that's sort of working for now, but I think you know as we grow over time, it's you know, that, you know that's gonna break down at some point. So it's yeah, I'll I'll come to you, Maya, in sort of six, six, nine months and and, and see how see how that went. Oh well that's fantastic. I think you know I've definitely learned an immense amount. That's you know, some of my thinking confirmed and some of my thinking you know, blown out the water by some of the other panelists. There's a lot for me a lot for me to go away and think about and, you know, I'd just like to take this time to, to, to thank the panelists. You know, I've had a smashing time and I, I'd love to con- you know, continue this conversation offline at some point, but I think now is, the time, now is the time to hand over to Ryan.
1: All right, well, thank you. I agree and I have so much fun because all I wanna do is jump in and talk, but instead I just write down a whole bunch of notes and then I'm able to package them all in to sort of wrap it up. And I was listening for specific words that people were using in the, in the process in which to approach problems and then how to solve them. So I came up with a few words that seemed to flow together. Now this isn't hard and fast, but I had to make a decision because my problem was that I had to come up with a recap. So I went through this process to come up with it. The first step, which I heard is to define. It's that you can't solve something that you don't know. So define first. Second is align, because everyone had some sort of emblems of the team Or the KPIs. You had more than just one individual in a room. Then it's about design. Looking to the tech first, I think is a great concept. Um, Having the helicopter view, looking at how uh, it could be everything from brainstorm to game storm, this idea of designing it, and then refining it. And this comes from feedback and data and clear alignment with the metrics and things that you want. Then you combine them together and it's, how do you get your best solutions up there to the top? And that's really by taking what you had refined and then combining it with everyone. And finally deciding on the decider because you've got to find somebody to sign on the dotted line. So here's here's the top recap, define, align, refine, combine, and find somebody to sign on the dotted line. That is what I took from you as far as something snazzy to put together and do a nice little package to put under someone's Christmas tree to help them in 2019 solve problems. Because if we wanna look at predictions, everyone's trying to predict. I predict that each one of you will have problems this year. Big, small, strategic, uh, cultural, all these things. And the more we keep problem solving in the front of our brains, the more important it is. And of all those, define, align, design, refine, combine, and find someone to sign on the dotted line, I truly believe that defining the problem is the biggest because I work with CEOs and executives. And when I ask them, what is the single biggest top problem that you are trying to solve? It is not an easy question to answer. And that's because there's multiple and it gets complex, but you gotta be able to name it before you can start to uh, attack it. So there we have it. This is our 40th episode this year. If you're interested in these type of high level conversations from people who are actually living and breathing their scale ups, this is a place to go. So as you get into this new year and you wanna revisit how these scale up heroes are attacking these problems, you can go to scaleupacademy.io. From all of us here at the Scale Up Academy, my name is Ryan and I will say it has been an amazing year but it's gonna be nothing compared to 2019. So I will sign off here for all of us as this is the end of the year but with the end of the year becomes the beginning. So we've got a lot of problems to attack and to solve. And as long as you guys guys and girls keep growing, we're going to have plenty of content to talk about. So everybody have a fantastic time. And we will all wave on the count of three as we think about define, align, design, refine, combine, and then you sign the dotted line. Adios, everybody. We'll see you next year. Have a great 2019 and beyond.